0: Good morning, I first off want to thank Austin uh, for doing such a great job last week of giving us a good introduction to the book of Psalms and laying a bit of the contextual and historical foundation. Um, Unlike Austin though, who grew up doing commercial fishing, I grew up locally here around Fort St. John, um, grew up raising cattle. And as Pastor Andrew so kindly pointed out before he ran away in his last sermon there, um, I now cut meat for a living. And with that being said, I do need to clarify, um, we are not hiring Andrew uh, to do any form of advertising for us because he can't get the business name right. Um, So until that gets fixed, uh, he'll be giving freebies, I guess. Um, But in all seriousness, today's passage is one that Uh, No matter who you are, where you live, uh, what you do for a living, we can all understand and relate to it in one way or another. So before we dive in, I want to set the stage a little bit for where we're going to be going. Um, Imagine with me for a moment, uh, you're laying out in a wide open space, maybe it's a field, maybe you're out on a boat in the middle of a lake, the noises of the day are slowly fading away, and the quiet stillness of night is falling upon you. Up here during the summer, you probably have a little symphony of of frogs croaking around you, blending into this odd, soothing song. And as you gaze into the sky, millions of twinkling stars fill your view. Now I'm sure we've all at one point or another tried to count those stars, But it doesn't take very long to figure out that's not going to be possible. There up above you, you see the familiar shape of Orion, the big and little dipper. Not too far away from your point of view is the brilliant light of Venus. It appears a little bit brighter than the other stars in the night sky. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, a star streaks across the sky, disappearing just as quickly as it had appeared. Then there's the moon. Its shape and size varies from day to day and month to month, from a thin sliver of a line to the brilliant full-harvest moon that we get to enjoy in the fall, where we can see in such great detail the surface of our moon. Its warm glow brings an odd sort of comfort to the night sky that's spread out above you. And if you're lucky, you might even be able to see the almost misty blanket of the Milky Way galaxy spread gently across the sky in a sort of backdrop to it all. Now, if you've ever experienced something similar to this, then you've probably felt a very odd and humbling feeling. I stand about six feet tall, but when I lay there staring into a night sky, I get this shrinking feeling that comes over me. Now, obviously, I'm not actually physically shrinking, but when we as human beings focus our eyes and thoughts on something as big and majestic as the as night sky, we're left often in a state of awe. Our passage this morning is Psalms chapter 8. If you want to turn with me there, we'll start reading in verse 1. Again, that's Psalms chapter 8, starting in verse 1. To the choir master, according to the Giddeth, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I just love this passage of Scripture. And as a kid, I can remember my siblings and I listening to it as a song, being sung over and over and over again as we memorized it at home together. Now, it's important, I think, to take note of how David begins this psalm as it provides a bit of context for how the rest of the passage is then intended starts out in verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. David begins this passage by identifying God in two different ways. Firstly, you'll notice he begins with O Lord, all capital letters, which in Hebrew is Yehovah, which refers specifically to the deity of God. He then continues on by repeating the slightly by saying, our Lord. While this may sound and somewhat look like repetition, the word Lord here is in direct reference to God being the supreme ruler. In doing so, David makes clear that he, that is, God himself, is chief ruler and authority over his people. The phrase then ends by really setting the tone in considering who God is. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There's something special about the word majestic. It's a word that we often use to describe something that has left us in complete awe at its power and beauty. In our passage this morning, that's exactly the case. Now, the root Hebrew word used here is adir, which means powerful, excellent, famous, glorious, goodly, mighty, noble, or worthy. This concept of the majesty of God is the main thing that I really want to focus on this morning. So how big is God? It's a question that one might expect to hear coming out of the mouth of a child. And yet I think even as adults, we really can't wrap our minds around it. Now, before we get too far into it, let me just say, I don't have a magical number or a measurement to give you, but I do believe that if we look closely at the Bible, we can begin to get a small glimpse into just how great and majestic of a God we serve, and it all starts way back in the beginning. If you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. And let them be the lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse over the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. In the beginning, God created. Before anything else was, God was. God spoke the heavens and the earth and everything in them into existence. Now, if you enjoy going to the markets as we have here in town so often, and you were to seek out a beautifully handcrafted item. Dave, you're here this morning. You make some beautiful stuff. But if you do, you'll notice something very specific on Each individual piece. It'll either be stamped or engraved, sometimes painted, but it'll have a signature or a trademark. And it signifies who the creator is, so that anyone who picks up that piece will know who made it. See, creation is no different. In today's passage, David specifically alludes to the heavens. First in verse 1, where he says, you have set your glory above the heavens, and again in verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the suns which you have set in place. A few chapters later in Psalm 19, one to 6 David writes this, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day it pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. Or sorry, and their words to the end of the world. In them, He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is none hidden from its heat. The heavens declare the glory of God. Their splendor and their beauty point back to their Creator. Now, how many of you have been laying on your back on a cool fall night and you get lost in the stars? As a boy, my favorite constellation was the Big Dipper. Many nights, I would get up after everyone else had gone to sleep and had a great big window in our bedroom, and I'd sit there and I'd just stare at the stars. I can't tell you exactly what it was that fascinated me so much about the Big Dipper, but to this day, when I find it in the night sky, it it still makes me smile. A clear night sky is one of the few things that has the same reoccurring effect. The longer one gazes into it, the, more, the smaller and more insignificant you feel. I want to take a little journey with you this morning through some of the stars, the little twinkling stars in our night sky. We'll start with one that doesn't appear in the night sky at all. That is our sun. Oh, there we go. Beautiful, isn't it? Kind of sketchy if I'd be standing right beside it, I tell you what. looks a little fiery to me. Now, it might not hold as much of an awe factor, but let's use it to get some some sort of a size reference going on. The sun is located roughly about 93 million miles away from us at its closest point during the year. It's a staggering 330,000 times the mass of the earth. That means you could fit the earth inside of our sun 330,000 times. Next, we have a star that some of you may be familiar with, and it's one that I found countless times as I looked out my bedroom window. Its name is Polaris. You guys probably know it better as the North Star. It's situated some 323 light years away at its closest point to the earth. Now, again, that may not sound like very far, but if you remember a little bit from high school, you may remember that one light year is equivalent to about 5.88 trillion miles, which is the same distance as if you were to fly around the entire world. 200. 36,130,723 36,130,723 times. Now, once that's sunk in, you'd have to take the number 2.27, or sorry, 2.5278 and add 15 zeros to it to get the distance to the North Star. Now, being that it's so far away, it's a bit tough to grasp its size But if you were to take Polaris and start stuffing our little earth into it, you could fit our little earth into it almost 1.6 million times. But it doesn't stop there. Let's take one more step. Meet V.Y. Canis Majoris. Located some 9,500 light years away from the earth. This massive red star is one of the largest and brightest known stars in the Milky Way. Its mass is a staggering 551 billion times the size of our Earth. I don't know about you, but all of a sudden, our great big world doesn't really feel that significant anymore. J.I. Packer put it so well when he said, the most universally awesome experience that mankind knows is to stand alone on a clear night and look at the stars. It was God who first set the stars in play, in space. He is their maker and their master. Such are his power and majesty. Now we could go on all morning talking about the stars and the number of earths that could fit into them but i kind of think you get the point how big is god bigger than our feeble human minds can even understand isaiah 40 25 and 26 says it well to whom then will you compare me that i should be like him says the holy one lift up your eyes on high and see who created these he who brings out their host by number calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, because he is strong in power, not one is missing. As we struggle to even grasp the sheer magnitude of the sun and the stars in our own galaxy, our God, the creator of them all, knows them all by name. Now, I don't know about you, but in light of that, even at six feet tall, I feel pretty small and insignificant. That's exactly the feeling that we can kind of sense in our passage this morning as David continues on in verse 2. Out of the mouths of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. This leads us to the second question that I'd like us to reflect on. And that's the same question that David asked. What is man? Number one, we're known by God. Psalm one thirty nine, starting in verse thirteen, says, "For you form me, or for, sorry, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made." I want to give a quick shout out to all the moms here this morning, because that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Despite, or sorry, before you were even born, God saw you, and he saw me. Even Jesus encouraged his followers with his passage in Luke 12, verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Despite the mind-blowing size of our God, you and I are intimately known and seen by Him. Now, I will give you that for some of us, counting the hairs on our head would be easier than for others. But the point remains the same. God knows you. The second point is that we are loved by God. We all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his Son into the world because we are good enough or strong enough. No, he did it because despite how sinful and messed up we are, he loved us. Romans 5, verse 7 says, But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we didn't do anything, nor could we do anything, to deserve to be loved by God. And yet, by His grace and mercy, He has extended that love to each and every one of us through His Son. Finally, we are made in the image of God. If we had continued on in Genesis chapter 1, we would have come to verse 26, where it says, that Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image, in the image of God he created him male and female he created them we were created by god in his image and as we see a few sh- short verses later in our passage this morning as well as in genesis we've been given dominion over god dominion by god to rule over his creation here on earth now i hope you're starting to see the point that david is making in our passage this morning Simply put, God is great and we are not. And yet God has chosen to lavishly pour out His grace and His love on us. And He's called us to be something so much more than we as sinful human beings could ever be deserving of. I want to take a journey back quickly to those stars that we visited earlier. Because sometimes numbers doesn't cut it for me. I like to see things Timothy, can I grab you to come up here and give me a hand? So let's try for a second to visualize just what those numbers would look like. I don't know if you can all see this, but I have here something that most of you are familiar with, a little golf ball. We're going to pretend this morning that this is the earth. Okay, I want you to find yourself on it. Right? <laughs> Good luck. Okay? Okay. And I don't, I don't have a screen big enough. I'm going to hand that to you. You can hold on that for a second. I don't have a screen big enough to do a full-size comparison, so I've got to simplify it a little bit. So the diameter, for those that don't know, of a spherical object is the measurement from one side to the other passing directly through the center. This golf ball, for instance, is roughly 1.6 inches in diameter. Now, if our earth was that golf ball, our sun would be roughly 109 times the the diameter of the earth. Anyone want to guess how far this is going to go? Timothy, I'm going to give this end to you. Okay, hold the earth above it. Okay, and I want you to walk that way. Right there. There's our sun. Now we went on to the North Star, (laughs) Polaris. (laughs) Anyone want to take a guess? Dawson Dawson (laughs) Creek. Well, not quite that bad. You can set that down, Timothy, if you want. Here, I'll take the golf ball from you. If the earth were a golf ball, Polaris would be about 545 feet in diameter. Now, I obviously can't fit that here on the stage with me this morning. But if you were to take a golf ball, and you walk to the back corner of the church parking lot, you set that golf ball down on the pavement. And then you walk all the way up beside the church, all the way out to the street. And you look back and you find that golf ball. That's 550 feet. Canis Majoris? <laughs> With a diameter that's 1,420 times the size of our sun. Canis Majoris would be 20,590 feet across. Now we could go on and on all the way up to the largest known star that we have today called U.Y. Scuddy. U.Y. Scuddy, if the earth were a golf ball, U.Y. Scuddy would be a little bit over, 24,800 feet in diameter. Now, how big exactly is that? Mount Everest is 29,000. So you could be on your bucket list trip, hiking up Mount Everest. You're just about to the fourth camp, the last main camp on your way up to the peak. You turn around, you look down into the valley, and you're looking for a golf ball. I don't know, but Harlan, if you can switch to the next picture there, that little in the bottom left corner is a size comparison to the sun, and that's 109 times the size of our Earth. almost laughable isn't it to try and find a golf ball and yet though but a mere microscopic speck of dust in comparison to the grandeur of the stars that we know god created man in his image and he knows each one of us intimately and he loves each and every one of us loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross for us so that we could have a right personal relationship with Him. And then He elevated mankind to have dominion over all of His creation here on earth. So when we sit and we think and we ponder that, how are we supposed to respond? We've gained a perspective of just how imaginably huge our God is. And also, as our passage suggests, how significantly insignificant we are in comparison. Yet we know that we're loved, we're known, and we're made in the image of the very same God who's displayed his glory in the heavens for us all to see. I believe that if we're honest with ourselves, it leaves us very much in the same place as it left King David. Our passage this morning ends in verse 9, where David says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See, the whole point of this psalm isn't to puff up or belittle mankind, but rather, in the light of the majesty of our God and the glory that he has displayed in the heavens. To leave us standing in complete awe, first in awe of who God is, and secondly, in awe of what He has done for us. John Owen put it this way: "There are two things suited to humble the souls of man, and they are, first, a due consideration of God and then of themselves of God in his greatness, glory, holiness, power, majesty, and authority, of ourselves in our mean, abject, and sinful condition. Our passage this morning does exactly that. We first were pointed to the magnificence of our God, and then to the insignificance of man. And it all came full circle to bring glory to God who is worthy of it all. The same God who determines the number of stars and gives each one its name is the very same God that looked down on you while you were still in your mother's womb and said, I love you. Let's pray. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, your name is so worthy of all of our praise. As we look around at your creation every day, I pray that we'd be left as David was, in complete awe of you. Thank you for your great love for us. God, that while we were still sinners, you loved us and you sent your son to die on a cross for us. Father, I I pray that we would remember what you've done for us. God, that you created us to be your image bearers. So God, by your grace, I pray that each and every day we would bear that image well to the world around us. Lord, that when people look at us, when they look at the heavens, God, that they would see you in a reflection of who you are and just how much you love them. Heavenly Father, I pray for each one here this morning, wherever we're at. God, I pray that we would be honest with ourselves, honest with you. And Father, that um, you would receive all the, all the glory that you're due. So God, I just pray that you would be with each one as we go from here this morning. I thank you for this in your name I pray. Amen.